0: Consumer Focus
1: with Martin Newman. Hello and welcome to Consumer Focus, bringing you expert advice and opinions on customer service and the Great British High Street. I'm Martin Newman and having worked in commerce for more than 35 years, I am dedicated to championing the consumer and helping businesses to develop the best strategies for their customers. Today, I have the privilege of being joined by Caroline Lundberg, Caroline is an expert in shopping experiences for people who are visually impaired. Caroline's studies and research have been focused on creating multi-sensory packaging for visually impaired consumers, particularly for beverages. Caroline, thank you so much for joining. Just before we go into the questions, I think that one stat I would probably like to share with our listeners um, to the podcast, and they may not realise this, is that as of today, There are estimated around about or just under 2 million people who have sight loss and blindness in the UK as a whole, or... Roughly 3% of the population. That's an incredible number, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and it's even um, higher worldwide. It's estimated to be 253 million in the world that's visually impaired. And of those, I think it's 36 million that's completely blind. Right. Um, So it's quite an interesting topic.
1: It is, because I mean, that's a a significant number of people, both globally and a significant number of people, you know, just in the UK in in itself. And, you know, from my perspective, if I were running a, a consumer facing business, then I'd be thinking quite hard about, you know, what do I need to do in order to create an environment that's appropriate for, you know, visually impaired customers? Because that's, first of all, it's the right thing to do, first and foremost, most importantly. But from a commercial point of view, it's also the right thing to do because you're talking about a very uh, sizable segment of potential customers
0: I think and I think it's very important to remember that in this case you might only talk about visually impaired and blind consumers but yeah. disabled consumers as a whole makes a yeah. like massive segment and yeah. they're called the payable money yeah um and in general we are quite good at like being inclusive we're starting to talk a lot about sustainability equality within sex and genders yes. and I just sometimes think that this segment is particularly like forgotten. I
1: agree. Well, I I try to champion champion um, anybody with a disability. Really, I mean, I think it's a very you know from a from a diversity point of view, you're absolutely right. We talk increasingly about you know gender diversity, but I think there's I mean, from my perspective, dem- demographic diversity is important and is often overlooked. As is you know things like visual visual impairment, hearing impairment, and and all sorts of other hidden disabilities that we're not necessarily aware of so listen great to have you on and, and, and to to talk about this tell me something what tell, tell us a bit about your background
0: um so first of all i'm um, danish that's why i might have an accent um, and in denmark we are quite well educated in a lot of areas i have a background in um, design all the way from college so i studied design in a very early age right. Um, continued doing that in my bachelor's and then i went to london where i started studying my masters in advertising and branding right and as a part of this, you have to do a master's project. Mm-hmm. Um, and we discussed a lot about like, you have to quite early think about what your topic want to be. And I started having reflections about billboards and right. buses and how you can make that multi oil. Mm-hmm. I've always had like a keen interest in multi branding because the way that the tactile sense is interesting yeah. when you have packaging products and and you get stimulated in another way. Sure,
1: sure.
0: Um, and research indicates that multi packaging are more interacting for the customers.
1: Yeah. So if, well, the more you interact, right, the more you engage with something, the more likely you are to purchase it.
0: Exactly. Presumably. Um, so that was quite interesting. And yeah. I started thinking about multi-central branding mm-hmm. um, related to bus stops and yeah. billboards. Um, and suddenly I had the thought that... What do blind consumers actually do? Mm. Because they can't see the billboards. Yeah. So does these billboards actually communicate with them in any way?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was kind of like how it started, started to read into that. Um, and I read some very short like research reports and just started wondering there's actually bigger problems than billboards. Mm-hmm. Because oh, obviously it would be amazing if these could communicate with blind consumers, visually impaired consumers, mm-hmm. but just smaller things is actually quite
1: important massively important like you know going into a retail store or going into a restaurant for that matter and picking up a menu you know if there isn't braille on the menu how are you meant to ascertain you know what what you're going to order for breakfast lunch or dinner
0: and already there can you get into the restaurant can you step up because if you're visually impaired or don't have a side yeah exactly Um, never
1: never mind once you're in there can you actually can you actually order something so that's some, those are some of the reasons that, that kind of inspired you, I guess, to get involved with multi-sensory packaging. What stores do you think, or are there any stores for that matter, that, that do the most to support visually impaired customers? Have you got a, a sense of that?
0: Um, so I think firstly, it's very important for me to introduce that I am not visually impaired. Yeah. I don't have a sight loss. All my um, knowledge from this is Clear interest. That's the only way I've gotten it. So everything I know is from people who've told me about their stories yes. or what I've read. Yep. I've heard in the community that a lot of people are very grateful for um, Sainsburys and Waitrose because uh-huh. of the service level. Right. So it might not be the physical marketplace that's ready for them, but right. the store service they get is quite inclusive. Okay. So these so employees. Yeah.
1: Good good for Sainsbury's and Waitrose to know, yeah.
0: Exactly. Um, but that's it. I my own experience as a society customers is actually co-op. They right. have braille on a lot of their packaging. Yeah. Um, so when you eat sandwiches, wrappers, their own branded products have yeah. braille on them. Right. That said it's a really, really good idea. But and there's some mixed statistics about it, but it's um. only around one percent in the UK that actually reads Braille. Right. Which means that they might have a really good solution to this, but if the segment, the consumers do not Are not, not actually
1: it, capable of engaging with it, right?
0: Yeah, then they can't use it.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point that I'm sure lots of people have overlooked if there's only a very small percentage of the visually impaired community that can actually read Braille. And, hadn't, and I hadn't personally thought of that myself either. I mean, the co-op certainly as a, as a retailer is one that I would have almost expected to have probably been a little ahead of the game. I they're think they're, so very, great. they're yeah. very focused on... The community and you know they're a very community driven retail organization and i think they demonstrate a lot of best practice around social responsibility and and you know it's like good to know that they are that this is something that they've that they have catered for but also important for them to realize that that they're actually missing out a large percentage of visually impaired community because they can't read braille do stores do enough for visually impaired people generally in your mind and and i suppose is one part of the question so in a general context, do stores do enough for visually impaired people? And the second part of my question is, are, are there any particular offenders that you think do particularly badly that you're aware of?
0: I think that's a very good point there. And it's quite like, it's a difficult answer to that yeah. because in general, the stores do not do enough for visually impaired consumers at yeah. all? The physical marketplace isn't designed for people with visually impairment, and blindness, or for that matter, necessarily disabilities. Yeah. But... That said, I think a lot of it comes down to education. So Mm -hmm. that's one part of the answer. But secondly, a lot of research I did is that 83% of communication is perceived visually. So that's why we do not think it in to fit consumers who cannot see, which is quite a good point as well. That said, it's known that we all get older. Like we're living better, we get older and mm-hmm. we live longer than yep. we've done before, which means that it's not just a minority. We might all lose our sight at some point in life. Right. Which means that it's quite an important topic. Wow.
1: That's a pretty harrowing thought yeah. for many people listening today, I'm sure. Um, that, and, but you're absolutely right. I mean, at some point in our lives as we live longer, we are certainly more likely to lose our sight or certainly have a fairly serious visual impairment as we get to a certain age and then the impact that that would have on us. So... What, I was, what we were talking about at the outset in terms of the number or the size of the segment could grow exponentially, you know, a multiple of goodness knows how many, given that we have already something like 65, 66 million people living in the UK, and that's forecast to grow to 80 million in, let's say, the next decade or 15 years, then there could be a, an enormous number of people that fall into this category because of the fact that they're, they're living longer.
0: And another important aspect is a lot of these blind consumers who are shopping at fiscal marketplace, because uh-huh. an important insight I got was a lot of them actually use online services like Ocado, which are great. I'm not calling them out. It's great that they can order shopping yeah. online and get it to the door. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people do actually like to go out and do the physical shopping, sure. but they need help. The second thing is a lot of the consumers that become blind in later life actually mm-hmm. suffer from depression, right? Um, because they're suddenly not able to do things they of like. Course, to course, of course. Um, and then they go out and want to shop, but the service I... assistants are not educated.
1: Yeah, my my perception is. I mean, I I haven't. You know, I'm I'm. I'd like to do something to kind of prove this, but my instinct tells me that it's probably very inconsistent, and it probably comes down to. Rather than it probably coming down to the organisation and training people and educating their staff, you know, as they should do when they join the business, um, it's probably more down to just individuals who want to go the extra mile and want to deliver the right type of service and actually care enough to maybe stop what they're doing and help somebody who's clearly struggling either to get into the store or, you know, to find the products they're looking for in the store. Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, and I think I've read a lot about it and a lot of people feel they come into a store and they can feel that um, some of the staff might avoid them. Yeah. Um, And there could be multiple because reasons for that. Because they don't know,
1: because they're uncomfortable. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: And if you're, not, if you're not used to having people around you who might have a disability, sure. you might not know how to handle it. Yeah, you um, can understand that. That's... So- a lot of these sales assistants might be young people sure. who are not, like, how are they supposed to deal
1: with it? I think that's, that's a really good point. You know, my, my, my daughter, Saskia, um, had a hip replacement a few years ago, but for a number of years before that, she she had an illness, basically destroyed her hip, and she was in and out of wheelchairs for a long time and on crutches. And it was it's very interesting when you observe the behavior of people when you're walking down the street with and you're pushing somebody in a wheelchair you do get that you you get some a small number of people who want to engage and almost want to say hello and how are you or smile and then you get the majority of people who kind of don't even want to make eye contact because they don't know how to handle it so that's a really good point um in terms of you know what the impact of that would be and that's why you know training your store colleagues is so important and and you know this is something this should be part of your induction program when you come into a business irrespective of what that business is really every business should have something in there for you know essentially how to cater for and serve particularly if you're consumer facing but even if you're business a business you know how do you cater for and serve the needs of any consumer or any Person for that matter, who has any form of uh, disability. I mean, it just should be part of the part of the mandate, if you like, and certainly part of the induction program.
0: And it's a it's a lot about empathy as well. Yes. Like when you get the empathy, and there's totally. there was there um, I saw this YouTube video with a blind woman called Christine Ha, and mm-hmm. her. So we live in this very digital world, and her example was try to close your eyes, yeah. Take up your phone, take a selfie, and now post it on Instagram, right? And give it a caption, yeah. And it sounds like such a simple thing, yeah. but if you can't even do that, how are you supposed to go into Morrison's, yeah. walk around, buy a milk and know which milk That's it is? That's a great
1: example. So her name is, again? Um,
0: Christine Ha. She's like a blind master chef, right. actually. And is that Quite on YouTube you can cool. find yeah, on her? Yeah, YouTube, right. yeah. Well,
1: that'd be really interesting. I'm sure for people who'd want to have a look at her videos. Um, tell me about your research. Will you in a bit more detail? Tell me about what inspired you to focus on beverages in particular. So, this is a personal habit of yours. Um, <laughs> I do like. Is this alcoholic quite, beverages quite, or um, any beverages? Um,
0: um, it's quite. It's not funny, but it's a funny one. Um, it's that I was sitting in. So we were sitting at uni, and we were discussing these things. Mm. And my professor was very much like, "You have to start with a category. You uh-huh. have to and narrow it down, which is so difficult when you just want to change the world. Like yes. you want to change everything. Yeah. And at first, I actually wanted to do cookies because, you know, cookies are yum. Yeah. But it seemed like that was a very small category. Yeah. Um, and then I started, like, then we we're laughing about beverages, I started to think, like, what do, you, how do people know if it's a sparkling wine yeah. or not a sparkling wine? Mm. And that was kind of how it started. And then I got the idea, well, you should make a multi multi-sensorial application for your phone. That can tell you if it's alcoholic or not, mm-hmm. if it's how many percentages there is in it, so you can just scan it and it would tell you what's happening. Great idea. Um, what's in it is... The customer would not be completely independent with that. Secondly, there's already technologies out there, right. so a lot of blind consumers are using something called Be My Eyes, Be My Eyes, right. um, which is an application where you call to a volunteer who would then help you with like a video call. Right. So you would ask them a question, they would say you can go to the right or left, or this is this milk or this is a wine. So right. there's something in that area, and,
1: and, and do they have to subscribe to that? Is that does um, that cost them or
0: it's completely free it's somewhere? Oh, so it's volunteering people that are sitting ready oh, that's to check. Um, yeah, it's really good, mm. and I know so um, I know an expert from Procter Gamble, and she knows some of these developers, mm. and I like con- communicating with them as well. Right, but so this technology is already there, yep. and I was like it can't be right that you and everything you have to do have to use your phone. Mm. Down to, back to, so one thing is going into the store and wanting to buy milk. How are you supposed to identify which milk is which? Is it whole milk? Is it skimmed milk? The other thing is that a lot of blind consumers might not go to the physical marketplace, Mm -hmm. so they do an Arcado shop, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: get groceries delivered. If they do, when I have two different users, how are they supposed to um identify between them. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like such a simple task, but if you don't have a fully functioning vision, you can't see it. Yeah. We can see it on the colours and we can read it. Yeah. But they can't. Yeah. So that was how it started. And from that it was just beverages. And it was it was difficult to narrow down because you want to do everything. Mm-hmm. So the more I read into it, it was down to these simple things. Yeah. So it sounds like such a easy task to identify your beverages, but it's yeah. such a frustrating thing. And research suggested that almost a third of all questions asked through this app was about food and beverages. Yeah. So is it gone over the expiry date? Mm-hmm. Um, how do I cook this thing? Yeah. And what is this actually? Because yeah. you can't feel, if you close your eyes and you have um, cornflakes and cocoa pups in front of you, you can't feel the difference. Sure. It's two boxes. So it was down to
1: so sort of simple things. So where, where are you on this journey then? Because obviously you've identified, you've clearly identified an opportunity. You've identified a gap You've identified an issue for visually impaired consumers without a shadow of a doubt. And it sounds like you've identified an opportunity both to help address that issue and something that could be commercially impactful as well. So, where are you on that journey?
0: Um, I've created a system, okay. initially starting with beverages. Yeah. Um, and it is a multisensual system, which means that you would, it started being like a sticker that you could put on packaging,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: would have a different um, tactile element. So if you had, if you take like a soft drink, like a Fanta or Coke, to know that it's um, carbonated, you would have like bubble elements in this sticker. Right, okay. um, And then you could add a scent. continuing this progress, I talked with a lot of experts, and they said the problem with this would be you would have to do an extra step in your production of packaging. And in the end, it all comes down to money. For a big company, it all comes down to the cost of something. So we had to rethink it. And then there's something about, could you change the mold? What could you do? So it is a multi-centralized system that I'm still working on, but where it would help you identify between beverages based on significant things like, yeah, yeah, carbonated. Does it have fat? Does it not have fat? Okay.
1: Just in terms of those manufacturers and the brand owners, I mean you know, in my mind, they have a duty of care, you know, they have a responsibility to produce packaging that's appropriate for all consumers at the end of the day, you know, because otherwise, I, in my mind anyway, you risk being discriminatory, maybe unintentionally, of course, but, you know, you've got to cater for everybody um, as much as you can. And yeah, there is a cost associated with it. But, but you also then, from a positive point of view, you open yourself up as a brand that clearly cares about consumers of all Sizes and shapes and forms, if you like, and consumers of any disability or any, any anything that's slightly out of the norm, if you like, you know. And I think that's massively important. And I think it's massively important for the consumers, and it's very important as a brand owner to demonstrate that you do care and that you are doing something about it. But it's also got a commercial upside. It's the right thing to do, isn't it?
0: But I think that's like you say, it's the right thing to do. And a lot of people might see this as a minority, but like we discussed before, yeah, we're getting older, we're living longer
1: it's a lot of people and and you know think think of i mean of all the people that it's not just the visually impaired consumers themselves it's the people that are in their ecosystem some of whom might go shopping with them some of whom might be helping them to shop at the moment family members you know you're talk- so so potentially you're actually talking about a much bigger segment of customers aren't you
0: it's back to it's the purple segment which is not just you call it the, the purple segment or the, the, purple purple money, se- the purple money the purple money okay. that's um, yeah. how they're spoken of they're sorry um not to put them in in a group but sure. it's it's all about caring i think luckily there's happening a lot of movement the challenge is that the brands that have the money might not have thought it into the strategies early. So they have to change everything. Yeah. Um, luckily, there's some really good actors out there. So there is a movement or it's um, called Valuable 500. Uh-huh. Um, and it's actually Omnicom who started it. Right. And they are getting trying to get 500 big companies or brands to take their part of it, to put it on the top of their agenda. Right. Because disabilities is not just something that should be overseen. And what a lot of these consumers are tired of is being put into this group that they have a disability because yeah. they're people like us. They just want why to be treated
1: do... like everybody else. And
0: why does it have to be so difficult to go yeah, into a t- shop? Couldn't,
1: couldn't agree more. Um,
0: and that's back to how the physical marketplace couldn't in the world more. just aren't like designed yeah, of for these course.
1: consumers. No, absolutely. It's very, it's very frustrating and upsetting for a lot of uh, consumers with disabilities. In that sense, it sounds like. Um, tell me if I'm wrong, but thinking about shopping and addressing the visual, the, the requirements of visually impaired customers. What about customers with an allergen? Because that's also pretty frightening. And obviously we've seen a lot of heightened awareness of that where very sadly, I think at least a handful of people have died in tragic circumstances because food packaging hasn't had, you know, the, either hasn't had the right information on it or where somebody has gone into a restaurant and ordered something to eat and was basically given the wrong information about what they were about to consume. Could if we take the packaging side of it, first of all, I mean, could your technology potentially or your solution rather, could that play a part uh, on packaging for consumers that have allergens?
0: I think it's a very important topic, because first of all, it's not just an allergen, it, it's life-threatening. Yeah, um, Working onto this, it was a discussion between, um, so when I continued working on the system, it was a mm-hmm. discussion. Um, the difficulty might be saying which allergen there is in this product, but if you make it aware there is an allergen, then yes. you could either use a technology that's already there, or if there's a further move on to in the dissolution that you would make an app it would scan it and it would tell you yeah. what allergens or you could ask so for some it's, help exactly in the so, store. yeah and that's the thing yeah. um that as soon as you know there's something in it you would mm. read up on it like you yeah. all would if we know something is chemical we would or like toxic we would yeah. figure out why yeah. um so it's definitely an it's important um factor and it's yeah. it's getting a lot of focus now and attention everywhere you go it would say if allergens and you have to tell them if you have allergies they ask you at restaurants as well so it's such an important focus
1: so, I, I mean, I think what you're planning to do is massively important and I, and I absolutely see the need for it and the opportunity to do something about it, which I'm sure you will develop. And, and I look forward to seeing it. Um, I can't help thinking as we're talking that from a technology point of view, there's quite a lot of technology now that should also be able to support this. You know, for example, retailers can have eye beacons you know, in in the physical store environment that can recognise, you know, if you've got the app for that retailer or you're logged into the Wi-Fi or whatever, they can recognise you as a customer, they know where you are in the store and there must be a way of being able to leverage that with voice technology to basically um, provide visually impaired customers with additional help, there must be something that can Did, be done
0: there. And actually, they've tested it with the tube, right. um, with beacons, where yeah. they, whatever phone, smartphone you might have, that mm-hmm. would um, synchronise with these beacons and yeah. it would direct you to, what to where you were in the tube and what you had to do next. Right. So it's definitely a system that works yeah. or like are in the, in the making. But the challenge for me, again, was that does make them rely on a technology like they would be relying on a phone of course and not have that independence but it's definitely a thing and sound is very important for blind consumers and it's quite impressive um when i've met them and you hear how they use their phone and computer and reach up for them and because they have lost the sense their other senses are heightened yes so it's just impressive how like they react to sound
1: yeah of course You've really gone above and beyond for minority customers here. And, you know, would it help if stores hired consultants or in-house experts to work on disability and impairment related issues in technology? Is that something you think would help?
0: Um, I think it's a must. And I think it's, first of all, there are some legal requirements that should be there when it comes yeah. to the law. Um, but secondly, companies should be interested in looking into this. A lot of companies are hiring sustainability managers and focusing focusing on this, mm-hmm. um, especially brands with products but when you are a service provider like supermarkets physical mm. stores are yep. they should think this into their strategies and everything I do understand that small brands who might already have released products will have some difficulties redoing their things mm. because they might not have the resources yeah. but big companies big brands should mm. be able to do this mm. and change how it is yeah
1: Well, I think everybody has to focus on this and everybody should be doing whatever they can, irrespective of... I agree, it's going to be potentially easier for a larger organisation to maybe justify the cost, but, you know, everyone has to be doing something. And and I'm sure you're going, you know, certainly with the solution that you're talking about developing or what what we're getting a sense of is something that anybody could potentially implement. Caroline, what do you think is the biggest problem in your mind with regards to how stores engage with visually impaired customers. What's the what's the single biggest problem and the biggest misconception?
0: Firstly, I think it comes down to three things, mm-hmm. which is um, education, service and products. But initially, I think it's important not to see them as a sick man we have to nurse. It's important yeah. to see them as a level like the rest of us consumers are. Yeah. I really, I can't say it's a bad example, but an example is that um, Sainsbury's and Arcus recently made these lanyards for yeah. consumers with hidden disabilities. Yeah. And it's like, why should we make aware that we have a disability? That should not be needed. So I think that's the first thing. And I think it's important to remember, they're just as much humans as the rest of us. Um, You don't want
1: to be labelled, I I get that.
0: And you should be able to empathise with it. I was recently in in Germany, and I was sitting in a train going to the airport. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand German, and they didn't say it very loud. Apparently this train split it. Oh, and I was really? sitting in wrong cut, yeah, the oh, wow. wrong. And that's down to such a simple thing, which can happen for all of us. Yeah. Um, that because you don't understand language, you 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 don't have the resources you need or you yeah. like, can't get yeah. to where you want to be. Yeah. So that's where you like that's the small things that make you
1: empathize. Yeah. Well, I always find actually I remember travelling by train in Scandinavia and I al- <laughs> I always find the Scandinavians are just seem to be seem to have the most common sense. You know, everything seems to be very logical, you know, and very ordered. And I remember like, being on a train and the train stopping and somebody sort of coming on in English and saying, the train has stopped, there is a red signal. And when we have a green signal, we will go, (laughs) you know. And as simple as it was, it was just brilliant in its execution. And it's taken us a long time in this country to get anywhere close to anything like that on public transport. We do have that on some of the new trains now, but uh, generally speaking, for people that travel on uh, various forms of public transport, you know, like I'm sure you you and I both do, we know the frustration of not knowing when something's happened or why it's happened.
0: And I think that's back to the thing before, because um, it comes to education and service. That's where we need to be aware of these things. And like I mentioned, eighty-three percent of communication is perceived visually. Why the marketplace isn't made for blind consumers, or created with that in mind, and that's what we need to change. Uh-huh. So, if all communication are made for sighted consumers, Got that's you. why it's forgotten. Right, yep. and that's where we have to change things. Yeah. But if you change the education and you do it early, you'll also find people find it interesting and become experts in it.
1: I think you know my my perception is and it would be inter- it would be interesting if we could talk to people that were listening to this to see what they think but you know my my perception is that I think all of this is wrapped up in a bigger challenge for most brands at the end of the day whether whether you're a you know, an FMCG, a fast moving consumer good brand, or whether you're the retailer selling those products. And I think it's about culture, and I think it's about purpose. And I think that brands that have a genuine purpose and have a good culture, you know, they've, they think through from the minute they bring people into the business about bringing in people that have the right mindset, to how they train those people and and i think i'm not suggesting that they all address this because clearly they don't because clearly you've identified you know lots of issues but i think that those businesses are probably more certainly more open to learning and 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 adapting and recognizing that this is maybe a weakness if you like and we care about this stuff and we'd probably be the ones to talk to in the first instance because they'd really want to like and the co-op is a brand that springs to mind you know that they would they would really be upset if they thought, "Crikey, we've gone to all that trouble to create, you know, packaging with braille on it, but unfortunately, such a small percentage of visually impaired consumers can read braille. Therefore, what we've we've done we've done them an injustice. You know, we need to find another solution."
0: And there are changes happening. Um, Procter and Gamble recently released um a system on one of their shampoo products. Right. So. I'm saying back in the days, I'm not that old. but yeah. Back in the days, shampoo and conditioner would have different packaging so yeah. you could recognise between it. But yeah. some brands, I assume to save on packaging, are using yep. the same bottle for everything. So blind consumers couldn't figure out what's shampoo and what's conditioner. Mm-hmm. And Procter and & Gamble have recently done something on the packaging so you could feel the difference.
1: Right. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's a simple, it's a relatively simple solution and it's great that they're doing something about it. Listen, Caroline, this has been fantastic. We've talked really up until now largely about, you know, the physical environment and the issues that visually impaired consumers have when it comes to engaging with, you know, retailers and brands in in, in the physical environment. What about online? Have you got any advice for brands or retailers alike in terms of how they might manage that and, and deliver a better level of experience and service for visually impaired consumers?
0: Um, I think the most important part is, again, thinking inclusion into it, is it um, accessible? So when it comes to online things, um, some web pages might use um, pictures for the card icons when you check out, which right. accessibility tools can't read, so they yeah. can't pay because they don't know which button to click, Got you. down to that simple thing. Yeah. Um, secondly, this woman I talked about earlier, Christine, talks about that she wanted to purchase a lipstick. Yeah. The name of that was LSD. How is she supposed to know what color that is? Great so point, yeah. um, down to these things, people who might not have vision or yeah. visually impaired, how are they supposed to see it? Yeah. And for stuff like newsletters, make sure they're transcribed as well, because a lot of um, mailchimp emails goes out and um, might be images. Right. Um, and I yeah. think services like okay and everything are doing things right because blind consumers use them. But I'm yeah. sure there are lots of things to look into as well.
1: Just in relation to the the lipstick example that you that you gave there, how would they address that? The fact that you can't see the colour.
0: Descript, descriptive colours. That's right. So that's a bit like with blind consumers and visually impairment. You might yep. have been born blind, so you mm-hmm. might not have an idea of what colours are. But right. if you've become blind, you know what red is. Yep. So is it a hot red? Is it a warm red? Is yep. it a dark red? Right. Descriptive colours. Descriptive yep. um, information on shopping.
1: So basically... Um, most blind or visually impaired consumers will have accessibility tools that will enable them to interact with online sites and therefore would enable them to, if providing the product description has the right description and talks about the colours in a way that they would understand that they can actually interact and engage with the website, really in a, in a, in a normal way as anybody else would and still make a purchase decision. Exactly. Perfect. And that's that's needed. I'd like to finish off just by asking you, you know, what for you is the best piece of advice you would have for anyone starting out to develop new technology for a consumer market? What should they keep in mind?
0: I think the first question they should ask themselves is, is this inclusive? Does it fit all consumer segments? Yes. And I think if you haven't launched a product yet, if you haven't launched anything yet, stop what you're doing and go back to the start. Rethink this into your strategy, because if not, then you're already behind. Um, And I think that's the most important part. If you don't have insights into it, reach out to some foundations who has, Hmm. because a lot of these people would actually talk to you, or reach out to someone with a disability who can tell you how it is. First start. If you have launched a product, it might be difficult for you to change this, but then you should rethink it into your future um, your solutions, and solutions, launches, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So it's just about being inclusive. It's about yeah. thinking wider and think that, so back to we all getting older, like living longer. Yeah. It might happen to all of us that yeah. we become blind, that we lose our hearing. Yeah. So it's important for everyone.
1: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think that's brilliant advice. I think the challenge, obviously, that a lot of businesses have, particularly those that have a lot of legacy in the business in terms of technology, systems, processes, structures, and sometimes people, is they generally find it harder to make this type of change. And I think when you're in a time that we're in at the moment where, you know, retailers in particular are under massive pressure commercially because consumer confidence is down, people are not buying because they don't know what's happening with Brexit, you know, that we're, in that we're stuck in this kind of hamster wheel, which will hopefully unravel and, and reveal itself in terms of what direction we're taking in the very near future. But I think, nonetheless, irrespective of that, every organisation has a responsibility to be to think inclusively not only in terms of diversity but very much in terms of disabilities and and how you cater for your customers how you cater for your people um, in relation to anyone that, that that happens to fall into you know those categories and treat them as normal individuals, but find solutions for them.
0: I believe we all have the power to change the world if we yeah. want to like commit to it. And I yeah. believe big brands has the money to do it, and I believe yeah. that service providers need to educate their um, staff better. Yeah. Like so, so it's just agreeing. if you just want to change the world, we can all do it.
1: Yeah. Well, I I would agree with that, Caroline, and I have to say I could talk to you all day about this. I'm very passionate about the subject and and maybe not so much as you, but uh, I'm very passionate about it. And I think, you know, it's fantastic that you're you are doing something to change the world. You are making your mark and it's something that's going to help in a very important way, a, a very significant number of people in some shape or form by enabling them to be to have more independence and shop more independently. And I'm no doubt whatsoever that you're going to start in beverages and we'll see your solution end up uh, in lots of other sectors uh, or lots of other product categories. And I wish you the very best of luck with that.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for joining. Sadly, that's all we have time for. So thank you so much to all of you for listening to Consumer Focus with me, Martin Newman, and my wonderful guest, Caroline Lundberg. I hope you'll join me again next time to discuss the latest in consumer concerns. Thank you very much.